Welcome to the official Brandon Ritchie Substack Podcast episode. Today's date is March the 1st, 2023, and I believe you're going to enjoy today's post, or at the very least, find it interesting. I want you to I want it to be compelling and something that you can take and talk to your family and friends about and share the information. If you're tuning in for the first time, this podcast and blog serves as a map for helping you and those around you to be a zenith during chaotic times. Zenith comes from uh, a concept that I've adopted from my coaching background, which means to for you to be at your peak, to be at your best, to be tip top. And the way to do this is set through self-optimization. Through self-optimization, you have to uh, venture out and you have to challenge yourself mentally and physically. I believe from my background, the physical body and the mind, these things are not mutually exclusive. They work together as a unit, as you are one person. Uh, In your person, you will learn and achieve this mentally from the mental side of it. And we do this here on the show by examining... Uh, the lived experience of humans and understanding human nature. And this comes from uh, doing deep dives and analyzing history and philosophy, geopolitics, culture, business, and of course, health and fitness, which is the central component to my background as a working professional. And this is something that I think it brings value to the table. And if you think, well, who is this guy? What does he know? Well, I've got an extensive background in these things, but if you're not satisfied with just me, I do have guests on the show who do have vast experience, and they have shown and proven their uh, success in their relative fields and backgrounds, and we examine all of these things, so you're getting different perspectives. The last few episodes, I've done article audio readouts. Uh, of articles that I've written on things that are going on in the current news cycle, as well as tying them into aspects of our history and philosophy that I find to be very uh, important. In fact, I feel like uh, kind of the times we're living in right now, these chaotic times, that these are vitally important. So I've, I've felt very compelled to get a certain message out to the public, and I hope that you will find and see that in this messaging um, and with that, uh, today, uh, if you are tuning in for the first time, you can make sure that you subscribe at brandonritchie.substack.com so that you can get all the latest episodes and articles of the podcast and, and, and the blog, uh, as well as to be able to share out to your family, to your friends. If you, if you are a regular listener and you're returning, Thank you for returning. Please also do your part to be a full force multiplier and share the information, share the links out to everyone. That's what makes this show exist. Your your act your actions and your activism, your your actions in sharing the information, pushing the information out. Uh, this is a time of information warfare. This is a time of economic warfare. Uh, and this is where us as individuals have to, we, we don't have a choice. We have to take things uh, upon our shoulders and we have to act on things. We have to share information, network with one another. And that way we can, we can help one another to in that process of self-opt- self-optimization. 
So make sure you subscribe, make sure you share. Uh, also, I've got a new little button there if you do like the show and want to su- support it. Uh, I have a Give a Gift subscription. If you scroll down uh, on the podcast, on the Substack there, you'll see uh, as you get into the show notes and to the article of today's article and some of the others, the more recent couple, I haven't mentioned this, but there is a Give a Gift subscription. So I do have uh, membership options available on the show as well on the Substack. You can also listen in on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast. If you do, if you are listening in on uh, Spotify, please take a moment to give me a follow there. And if you want to show uh, support for the show on Spotify platform, please take about two seconds and select the uh, five-star rating, and you can support the show in that regard. So with that being said, today, I think you're going to find this pretty, pretty interesting, pretty compelling. I'm going to kind of dive into something that I've noticed trending in our country for the last several years. And today's uh, post is also an article audio readout. So I'm going to get into this, and the title of today's article is, excuse me, Centralization is the Enemy of the Maverick. Preface. Quote, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. End quote. John Wayne, True Grit, 1969. I'm not here today to, to pull punches. Make no mistake, if you've listened to this podcast or read this blog, then you know that one of the main tenets of this show is to serve as an instrument of knowledge to foster more understanding so that you can use it as a tool in order to spread freedom throughout your society regardless of where you live. When it comes to the well-being and survival of our society, it means that we must be willing to call out the problems within our society so that we can wage war on those problems in order to cure our society of its ailments. That being said, you and I both know one of the biggest problems in the real pandemic of the last three years has been the acceleration of totalitarianism. Totalitarianism is defined as a centralized form of government that serves to permit no individual freedom. It seeks to subordinate all aspects of individual life to the authority of the state. Source, Totalitarianism Britannica. Aside from the aggressive transition of our education systems into being indoctrination centers, another issue that has developed with our country over the past 30 years has been the creeping transition and birth of the development of becoming more of a corptocracy. You might be thinking, Brandon, what is a corptocracy? A corptocracy is essentially a society that is dominated by politically and economically very large companies that force their influence on society. It's essentially a form of totalitarianism. Why do I say this? Well, we don't have to look very far when evaluating the behavior of many of these companies over the past three years when looking at their participation in the push for the pandemic narrative, their acceptance of woke messaging, their support of destructive policies, and politicians as it reflects in the current collapse of our societal systems. After all, our supply chains have been compromised, our national sovereignty has been invaded, and our individual sovereignty has been invaded, and the country is staring down World War III. The evidence of all this is solid and easily observable. But how did this happen? I believe there are several reasons, but for the sake of today's discussion, 
I'm going to hone in on one of my targets and I'm going to point the finger at the lack of leadership we're all getting from several CEOs of many of these big companies that have proven to be nothing more than rent-seeking cowards. Yes, I actually said that. You're probably wondering, Brandon, why do you say that? Well, to begin, let's break down the current modern landscape of our economic business sector here in the U.S. Heading, the era of the political CEO. Quote, When you see that in order to produce, you need to obtain permission from men who produce nothing. When you see that money is flowing to those who deal, not in goods, but in favors. When you see that men get richer by graft and by pull than by work, and your laws don't protect you against them, but protect them against you. When you see corruption being rewarded and honesty becoming a self-sacrifice, you may know that your society is doomed. End quote. Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged. For starters, every year, Fortune Magazine puts together a list of the top 500 companies based on their total revenue for their relative fiscal years. Of these top 500 companies, there's only 21 of these companies that are still run by the individuals who founded them. Source, Fortune, from founder to 500, 21 current CEOs who now lead empires. This is a significant reality in order for you to understand where I'm coming from. This is what the reality is in terms of the current business environment here in the United States. As a quick observation, it's easy to see that the overwhelming majority of the CEOs of the biggest companies in the U.S. in many cases are not mavericks. This is significant because a maverick is defined as an unorthodox or independent-minded person. Other similar descriptive words include an individualist, a nonconformist, or free spirit. These are all accurate and true in describing the characteristics associated with what a maverick is made of. As a personal add-on to this definition, I also like to think of a maverick as someone who will stand firm against the mob when he or she knows they are right about a certain issue, even if the mob demands them to take a different stance. This is a key distinction when talking about someone who is willing to take risk and step into difficult situations such as investing their own money, blood, sweat, and tears into the development of their own company while also not being afraid to call the shots that they feel is best for the company. So that brings me back to my point as to why many of the CEOs of major corporations these days are more of the, quote, political class, end quote, rather than deserving of the label of being a maverick. After all, the majority of these people didn't build these big corporations from the ground up. Most of them are politicians who were simply elected and installed by a board, and there are many that don't care about the company or the country itself for that matter. Because this is the case, these people don't have any skin in the game and could be gone by the next quarter. So in many cases, it's easy to see why there's a contingency where many of these CEOs only care about making as much money as possible, be damned the lack of ethics and consequences of moral hazard. If you need an example, then we don't need to take a look we don't need to take a look any further than the past couple of weeks with the actions of the Norfolk Southern Corporation. This is exactly why we, as individuals, need to start being disciplined about throwing more of our support behind small businesses, individuals, and people who share our values and can provide services locally when we're able. Additionally, we need to do this across every industry. To not do this is why many of these corporations 
are allowed to continue to centralize and grow their wealth and influence while simultaneously using that wealth and influence for blurring the lines of their public-private relationships, which can ultimately lead to some nefarious practices within these organizations. Furthermore, as the lines of their public-private partnerships are blurred, many of these CEOs, also known as political directors, are allowed to transform these corporations into political weapons within the construct of our society should they wish to do so. To look at a good example of how this gradual erosion has occurred within so many companies, one doesn't have to look much further than the lack of quality and the deliberate and nefarious messaging that is associated with the brands of many of these companies. To give you one good concrete example, just take a look at the radical transition of Disney. Disney has literally adopted some of the most woke messaging we've seen in the name of social engineering. This, is got, this got so bad with Disney that it sparked the removal of their special tax status in the state of Florida, which was a public-private agreement that arguably led to the growth and opportunity of the company's out-of-control political activism in the first place. That word social engineering that I mentioned means that centralized planning is used in an attempt to create social change and to regulate future development and certain behaviors within society. Disney is an entertainment business, so the aim of utilizing its platform in order to inject some social engineering into the fabric of society has made it an effective tool for, do for doing so. Because of this, it's obvious why Disney is a good choice for such an endeavor. Obviously, Disney's centralization of wealth and its expansion of political activism is a key example of how there is absolutely no maverick involved in the shots being called within that company. Heading, totalitarianism telegraphing. That word centralization keeps coming up in this episode, and that's for good reason. Understand that centralized control of money, authority, technology, transportation, information, etc. is always a bad idea. After all, we've seen what a select few centralized and powerful companies can do to society in the past three years, and we're having to deal with this debacle every single day right now. In fact, the news cycle has been full of controversy regarding several companies that have openly demonstrated Marxist activism. Pfizer, Disney, Netflix, NFL, MLB, NBA, Amazon, Apple, Airbnb, Facebook, PayPal, etc. are just a few of so many companies that have significant centralized control over the economy in one form or another. After all, as we've seen a few big tech companies can really express forceful actions and narrow the scope of options for consumers while at the same time forcing certain behaviors onto those consumers, whether those consumers agree with the company's policies or not. It's a scary thought that we've entered into an era where the technological sector has managed to create what I refer to as a sort of digital prison that we're experiencing here in the 21st century. If you've listened to this show, you know how critical I am of the legacy media outlets. The media is constantly pushing narratives to support their worldview and their graft within the corrupt Marxist-Fascist system that they operate. With that being said, I've also pointed out exactly how the media is also honest in a way that you would never expect. You're probably a bit shocked by that last statement, but please allow me to elaborate. What I'm referring to is being able to extract the legacy media signal 
from the noise that they so frequently want to produce. In other words, the media will push a narrative and make a lot of noise when doing so. However, if you're aware of this and what their narrative and ideology is about, then you can look past the noise and deduct the accurate truth. This can be done by extracting the signal from the noise to get to the important issue that they're purposely trying to distract you from while, at the same time, they are placing blame on something else that is contrived and most often a non-issue. I previously covered this strategy of deducting signal from noise on an earlier episode on the podcast that you can access here. As a note, check the show notes for the link I've concluded here for for that episode. So what am I getting at? To clarify this point, I'm going to come at this from an angle that you would normally not hear from anyone else. If you weren't aware, or weren't already aware, for years I had some pretty extensive training in the ancient fighting art discipline of Muay Thai. If you're not familiar with the fight discipline of Muay Thai, it is known as the art of eight limbs. The fight discipline of Muay Thai originated in Thailand long ago in the 1500s. The reason it's referred to as the art of eight limbs is because the discipline uses knees, elbows, fists, and shins combined with clinching techniques which can be used in an up-close and personal hand-to-hand combat. Full disclosure, I wasn't a professional and competing fighter, but being a professional strength and conditioning coach, I thought it was a good idea for me to learn about the stand-up striking style of fighting that many of my students were involved in as competitive athletes. Furthermore, being that I'm a Gen Xer, I grew up watching a ton of 80s martial arts action movies and always wanted to learn and get proficient with a fight discipline. As a side note, I would recommend everyone try to study a form of martial arts or a fight discipline. Luckily for me, I met a good friend and student who is a national champion in the sport, and as I became his student in the discipline of Muay Thai, I was also fortunate to eventually become his strength and conditioning coach for the sport he competed in as well. So in this way, we were both each other's coach and student in our respective disciplines. Okay, so I had to share all of that with you in order to share the next part of this discussion. Aside from learning how to develop the proficiency for striking an opponent, utilizing Muay Thai's Art of Eight Limbs approach, the fight discipline of Muay Thai also taught me another valuable lesson. Learning to clinch and to strike an opponent is obviously very important in the discipline of Muay Thai. However, when facing an opponent either while sparring or in an actual fight, Muay Thai also opened my eyes up to the concept known as telegraphing. You see, when facing an opponent, a fighter might have an idea of how to engage an an opponent in a plan of attack. However, you have to understand that if you find yourself in the middle of a fight, your opposition is going to be doing the same thing as they prepare to face you. Knowing this, as you gain more experience and practice in a fight discipline, you will discover, as I did in Muay Thai, how to anticipate your opponent's next move based on the position and movement of their body. The way your opponent expresses his or her body language, particularly in a fight, is what we refer to in the fight gym as telegraphing. This telegraphing is the physical expression of your opponent, And the more experienced you are at a discipline, you can learn how to read this physical expression in order to anticipate your opponent's next move so that you can mount an effective counterattack. 
So let's go back to examining the definition of totalitarianism, as I stated earlier, involving a centralized form of government that serves to permit no individual freedom. Given this definition, I want to remind you of how I also pointed out how the legacy media is constantly spewing propaganda that promotes these characteristics of totalitarianism through their narratives. This is what you can observe when extracting the signal from the noise. Now, as we understand the definition of totalitarianism and the definition of telegraphing, as I've outlined here, we can easily observe how the media is displaying what I refer to as totalitarianism telegraphing. This essentially involves the media describing a nightmarish society that should cause every single one of us to stand at attention. In other words, they are showing their next move based on the direction of their narratives as it pertains to varying issues that impact our society at large. What's even more concerning is that they are willingly communicating to us exactly how they want to move the direction of our society by isolating all of us through financial control, medical control, information control, speech control, and just about every other form of control you can think of in the worst possible scenario. As a specific example, if they are screaming about the importance of supporting the war in Ukraine, while at the same time we see our government ignoring the immense problems here at home on U.S. soil, their playbook is obvious. Problems such as the border invasion, the 40-year record high inflation, the tragedy and incompetence of the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, and refusing to address and label the Chinese Communist Party, CCP, as an enemy while their balloons fly over our airspace, it's easy to see that they are telegraphing and acting like those very enemies. It's not difficult to see what the media and administrative state want for us as American citizens based on their own actions. It's also not difficult to see that there aren't many mavericks involved with many of these top 500 companies either. This problem is apparent this problem is apparent as the majority of them have also adopted the same narrative and are totalitarianism telegraphing their own next moves because they are obviously being protected and have directly benefited by their relationship with the administrative state. Because of this, it's not hard to see the lack of mavericks in many of the biggest companies in existence here in the 21st century United States. This is exactly why centralization is the enemy of the maverick. Heading, the wrap-up. So I don't just want to point to the problem without offering a solution, and I have the solution to all of this. I want you to keep in mind that just as centralization is the enemy of the maverick, on the flip side of this coin, you can be com comforted in knowing that the maverick is also the enemy of centralization. You see... This is exactly why now is the perfect time to flood our society with mavericks in business, art, coaching, manufacturing, technology, etc. This is a crucial measure because this is the key and it will lead to an epic formation of a new alternative and parallel economy that ushers in some new blood in the economic and business sector of our society. If you have been on the fence about starting a business and contributing to society as an alternative to the centralized authority of big business, then now is your time to shine. 
Understand that if you are not buying into this position, then consider every individual who has benefited up to this point from a largely free market society. Mind you, a free society that nonetheless has allowed and enabled millions of people to pursue lifestyles and endeavors that simply cannot be obtained anywhere else on earth. After all, consider all the freedoms that even the most eccentric people have had in order to achieve a bohemian lifestyle in in our modern society up to this point. Sure, if you want to go and be a tomato soup can artist and live in a high-rise apartment building in a big populated city, then up till now that bohemian pursuit has been very practical endeavor in our free society. But given the totalitarianism telegraphing, combined with the problem of the lack of mavericks, all of that which we've known up to this point is in jeopardy. However, even though the hour is late, now is the time to ensure that all of it remains. This will only happen by each of us taking action as individuals to ensure the totalitarianism telegraphing doesn't lead to the actual dreaded totalitarianism dystopian future we all truly would never want. I hope you enjoyed today's article podcast. If so, I really need your help to push this piece out to your friends, family, and co-workers. In order for both you and me to influence and strengthen our society, we must not stay idle. So please make sure you hit the subscribe and share buttons here below. Spreading messages like this one is how we influence our culture, and I need your help in order to do it. Also, listen to this episode here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pocket Cast. If you like this podcast and the message, please take a moment to give it a five-star rating on the Spotify platform. Also, to connect with me, please make sure you join me here on Twitter, Facebook, and Getter. Stay strong, stay focused, stay active, and have a great day.